the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, Episode 94. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hey, Sandra. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. Yeah? You've been great for several weeks in a row now. I know. I know. Life is good. It really is. That's nice to hear. I'm happy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Life is good. Lots of things happening this uh, week. Tell me. Lots of socializing. Not a lot of work. I'll I'll say that. Um, What kind of fun have you been getting into? uh, Well, okay. So I know that you don't know this band, but I know that several of our listeners do. So I'm going to mention them. So, uh, the band Poydark Pondering is like my favorite college era band. And over the last couple of decades, they've become really good friends and they are, uh, back in town, back in Austin this weekend to play. And it's going to be super fun because it always is. My friends and I, we get right in front of the stage and we dance until we're sweaty and I'm the show's tonight and there's another one tomorrow night and I don't have tickets for the one tomorrow night, but who knows? We'll see. I may just go out all weekend, but I'm going tonight. Yeah, I know. You know, do you need to take a nap today? Do you need to get ready for that? Uh, you know, I'm just going to power through. I think I'm not much of a napper. I'm not much of a napper, but I've already been out this week. Uh, so the, the lead singer's name is Frank oral. Uh, he also doubles as a chef and he does these chef nights where he prepares this beautiful meal. Um, and then he plays afterwards, plays guitar afterwards and sings. And so my friend, um, that has the big fun party, she has a great party house, uh, hosted a small dinner party on Wednesday on this week. And he, cooked this amazing meal and it was so fun. It was so fun. And afterwards played, um, my husband and I only stayed for two songs because it got to be like 11 o'clock. <laughs> we were like, you mean like four in the morning is what it felt we like. We were like, right? this is a school night. <laughs> People. Yeah. You hope you didn't turn so, into a pumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> so we had to sneak out, but it was kind of a bummer. I could have stayed. I could have stayed and listened to him play all night. Our other friend, Bruce Hughes, who's a, a bass player, also a singer and plays with the band Poi Dog when they come into Austin, was there and he played as well. And it was a whole sing along kind of kumbaya. It was awesome. But anyway, wow. fun, 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 fun week. And, and the party continues. I know. Gosh, I'm tired just hearing it, Sandra. I'm going to take a nap. (laughs) I know. I know. Oh, well, you sound sound good. You sound really jazzed about everything. That's good. That is good. How Um, about you? 
Yeah, I'm not as jazzed as you, but I'm I'm not bad either. You know, it's just been a really busy, busy week. School started back um, in session. And I guess Mm -hmm. I underestimated the amount of work that that was going to be. Um, So I'll have to adjust to that. But um, I don't like being away from my home, Sandra, for more than a few hours. You know, like I like to (laughs) run my errands and get home. But on, on Thursdays, I will be gone from, you know, seven in the morning until seven at night. Mm. I don't, it's a long, hard day, and I I don't love that already. So I signed up for it, so I will power through, but I'm taking, um, I thought I was taking this agriculture class. Oh, right, right. And you were going to raise a goat. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to skip the... um, the research paper part because I thought it was so smart looking at the syllabus and uh-huh. uh-huh yeah so what it actually is <laughs> is and I was thought I was avoiding botany it's intro to botany oh but it's called agriculture 20 so I missed something in translation <laughs> so I am taking botany which will be interesting that um, sounds like that's right up my alley I would love botany i'm a i'm a amateur botanist oh well then i think like i said it's going to be interesting but it just wasn't what i signed up for and there is a huge research paper um so that's awesome that wasn't listed on the course description so everything i thought i was so smart (laughs) i thought i was really doing it uh yeah but the thing i do want to share is i started my figure drawing class which will have um a live nude model every um twice a week for the uh-huh. next 17 weeks. And cool. I was a little bit nervous. Not that I can't be around naked people. That's not it. But just body stuff all of a sudden started to come up for me. And I don't talk about body stuff. I don't, that's not something that's ever been something that I've really talked about much. I definitely have body stuff, as I think probably most women do. Um, a lot of women do. I, I yeah. have yet to meet a woman that that doesn't have some kind of body image issues or hasn't in the past yeah and to be with someone who's so comfortable right with their body so yesterday was just this really interesting awesome experience because the three hours went really fast um but to see her stand there in her beautiful form that was not quote-unquote perfect and how confident and how lovely and how beautiful the the human body is like I got Mm -hmm. to see it and I was like okay so Every semester, I get to learn something else about Tammy. So let's see what's it going to be this semester. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, definitely out of my comfort zone in both classes. So there we go again. That seems to be always a theme. Um, but when I was drawing, my professor, you know, she's like, you need to loosen up. And I was like, fuck, every single class is what I need to learn <laughs> to let go, surrender, loosen up. Um, my marks are really tight. And she's uh-huh. like, you just need to draw from your shoulder. You know, take your arm and make big circles. Just make circles. I know you like to make circles. Make circles. So that's my homework this weekend is to make circles and to draw 20 people, two-minute drawings. It could be the same person, but I'm supposed to do their figure for two minutes. Oh. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to definitely stretch me. And what the beautiful thing that I, that I figured out in class so while I was there, Sandra, was like, I'm so much more comfortable in the class. I think yeah. had this been my first class, I would have been way in my head. You don't have time to get in your head and figure drawing because it's a one-minute pose and then they change. 
Right, right, right. Do you, when you practice at home, do you use one of those little wooden, those little wooden models where you can move the arms and the legs? No, you're supposed to go to coffee shop, your family members. Um, oh, okay. Even look at a video if you need to. Of some... You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. I have one of those yeah. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I guess she doesn't want you to draw. So, so the circles is to loosen your arm, but she doesn't want you mm-hmm. to draw Michelin men is what she said. You know what I mean? Like circles of the body, like the head and the torso and the oh right, the yeah, legs yeah. would be sausages or whatever. She was like, just feel, just feel, and you have to make one strong line, which is a line of action. So it's interesting, how, and you'll notice that right away in a form, like a line of action. Somebody how they're standing, and it's really like a two second thing. You make a line of action, and so mm-hmm. it's just interesting that you can't stay stuck in your head for too long because it keeps moving. Right. You just, it's probably a, an exercise in not overthinking. <laughs> yes. Yes. So guess who's going to really learn something or freaking want to kill myself. <laughs> so I'm going to go for the learning something and not killing myself. It's with my favorite professor and mentor, um, Claudia. So I'm very, um, Oh, okay. So I want to learn from professor her already. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's awesome. So, uh, so it's going to be good, but I really, I thought I was going to be a little weirded out about the nude model and it was totally fine. Mm-hmm. Now there are going to well, be Well, you'll see, yeah, you're going to see all shapes and sizes yeah. and colors and yeah, everything. Yeah. I'm going to see everything, Sandra. Yeah, you are. Everything. <laughs> you are. So there's that. Um, but the exciting thing today I wanted to share with you, my friend Tracy, uh, who is at Shutterbean on Instagram, is coming over today for lunch. Oh, fun. Yeah. And I have like three carrots in the refrigerator, some yogurt and some pickles. I got nothing. That doesn't sound like a very delicious lunch to me. Sounds like you have some work to do. But I would normally be really stressed out and anxious, but I just physically did not have the hours in my day yesterday to do anything about that. And so last night when I was working on my homework and I was like, you know what? I'm going to take her on a little food adventure. And then we're going to go get some really lovely bread at this place. And we're going to go get chowder at this place that wins the best chowder every year. And then we're going to come back here and draw. Oh, fun. And I was like, I can just let that go. But yeah, to have a food stylist or somebody that's a cook come to your house, it's a little intimidating, right? A little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I was nervous about my, making my desserts. I made a desserts for the for the party, and I was a little nervous about that. Lots of foodies, lots of pe- you know, right. lots of that. Right. Yeah. But you know what? I noticed that foodies or my friend owns a restaurant, and his chef came to Thanksgiving. And he was like, "You could serve me peanut butter and jelly as long as I don't have to make it." True. Like, I don't care. Whatever you cry right. is always going to be fine. And so I was starting to last night try to prepare a menu. And I was like, I don't have the bandwidth. I don't. Mm-hmm. I have to record a pod. I'm recording right until she gets here. So I don't, I don't have the time. So I have a feeling that she's going to be just fine with, oh, for with sure. my plan B. So that's exciting. And it's fun to meet friends from the Internet. Yeah, it is. You know, it's a good thing. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have anything you want to promote before we get going here? No, I'm good. You're good? Okay. Yeah. Um, I do need to promote one thing because it's happening this weekend. Um, the Women's Circle that I'm hosting with Natalie Fairbrook and Sasha Corrales is going to be on January 26th from 11 to 4.30 at Soul Yoga in Santa Rosa. So for our local listeners, I know some of you are already coming. I know Gloria is coming. That's been on the show. I'm very excited to see her. And Suze is coming. Um, but if you're local and you can make it, um, you can register for it on nataliefairbrook.com on her website. It is under events. 
and uh, we hope to see you there. Fun. Yeah. So we should introduce our fun guest. Yes, we should. Uh, this week on the podcast, we have Peyton Kennedy. I know. And I know. Very exciting. Very very exciting. So Peyton is a woman, if you don't know Peyton Kennedy, she is a woman in long-term recovery and an events creator with 20 years experience in event planning, production and management in the industries of music, fashion, media, arts and culture, fundraising and culinary. As director of retreats and events operations for She Recovers, the largest online platform for women in recovery in North America, she is one of the dynamic event planners behind the successful She Recovers in New York City and She Recovers in LA events and, of course, has already been announced, the upcoming 2020 She Recovers event in Miami. I know. That's going to be awesome. we got to get ready for that. You can start planning your outfits already. Yep. Planning yeah. my outfit already. Oh, Miami, come on. You know, the captains are coming out. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta t- I gotta go to the school of you and Peyton. You guys are gonna have to teach me a few things. Um, so Peyton is also an artist at heart. She's a former musician with independent albums, filmed soundtracks, and many performances to her credit. She's a dancer, a writer, a yoga teacher, and an art enthusiast. Today, she is a proud autism mama to her wonderful 13-year-old son, Grayson. Peyton credits her sobriety and the community she has found for helping her to develop the patience and strength to gracefully co-parent and advocate for her son. Peyton completed her 200-hour yoga teaching training in 2018 and will undertake both the She Recovers Yoga Teacher Training designation and a 300-hour program beginning in 2019. The past couple of years has also marked the return of another meaningful practice in her life, the dance floor. We had fun (laughs) talking about that. A familiar place once wrought with anxiety and substance abuse has become a very different space in her recovery. Witnessed to and inspired by the many women she has danced with, Peyton is developing a movement modality for She Recovers, expected to launch this year in 2019. Peyton hopes to inspire women to inhabit their bodies and celebrate and connect to the joy inherent in a shared experience of music, creative movement, and self-expression. I'm so excited for this. I'm so I know. excited. For I danced this morning to Madonna, hung up. Oh, I did mm-hmm. it. I had yeah. it moving this morning. So, between Peyton, the silent disco, and um, just dancing in the morning, um, I'm, I'm having a really good time finally dancing in sobriety. Yeah. It took a while to build up. Um, one thing that we want to share, um, we loved having Peyton on the podcast. Um, we had a lot of technical difficulties on this one, guys. So e- even at this you know, we're not sure how it's all going to turn out. So when you listen to this, please um, be kind. <laughs> be, right. kind. Be, patient. be patient. Be patient. Because it was such a great interview. Yeah. And we're you're a little heartbroken that we had so many sound issues. Yeah. But we're just going to put it out there anyway. And we hope that you guys um, will really help us celebrate Peyton yeah. in this interview. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Just, uh, you know, we're, we're, what are we, 90... We're 94 episodes in. <laughs> it happens, though. And this one happened quite happen. a bit. So, but we yeah. didn't want to. We didn't want to cut out Peyton's um, story, 
and the very beginning when she talks about dance so much. So there's going to be some little sound spots, and uh, we hope that you can just bear with us. And, uh, you know, we're not perfect, and I think that's a, a really great lesson in sobriety. So we're going we're gonna to live that today. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I'm right. embracing that. <laughs> oh, uh, and you can find Peyton on Instagram at PLK underscore Ottawa, O-T-T-A-W-A. And then you can also catch up on everything that she does for She Recovers over at SheRecovers.co. Yeah. Great. Enjoy the show, you guys. Enjoy Peyton. And dance. Dance. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, Peyton. Good morning. Good morning, ladies. Good morning, Sada. Thanks for coming on the show, Peyton. Oh, my pleasure. I was so excited when you said yes, because I've been wanting to talk to you since, I mean, I want to talk to Dawn, too. I mean, Mama Dawn's got to come on. And, um, but when I, when we, um, when we connected again, I'm all over the place. When I saw you, she recovers in September and, um, and the silent disco kind of changed my life. I was like, I've got to talk to Peyton. <laughs> like, we have to yes. have her on the show immediately. So, yes. Well, awesome. well I'm thrilled to be here. So, Good. yes, thrilled to have this conversation. Um, where are you talking to us from so our listeners know? Uh, I am talking to you from uh, snowy Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. How long has it been snowing? Like, how long? When does that well, start? Well, it starts uh, here. Generally, it starts in, you know, November, December, and it lasts, it can last till April. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And oh, wow. That's it's very snowy. It's very a icy. Lot of snow. And so when you say snow, is it like the kind where you have to dig yourself out of your house every day? Yeah, it can be. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank God I have a garage that I can drive into and then I can, you know, go through my basement door into my house so I can avoid a lot of that altogether. Um, but yeah, it's it's very snowy. And if you're someone who loves, you know, snow sports, I'm sure this is a fabulous place to be. <laughs> if you're me, yeah, not so much, but, oh. but I'm here. So. Oh, well, yeah, it's just rainy where I'm at. I cannot complain about anything. So yeah, I'm yeah. it's 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 fine here. Here's the problem I would run into, Peyton, and I would honestly think that you would too, having met you one time, is that we both, you know, are fairly stylish, and to leave in the winter when you're fairly stylish means you always have to cover it up with some gigantic puffy coat. That would be so sad. (laughs) It is sad, and it's, you know, it's it's a real issue for me. (laughs) This year, I was... I, you know, I haven't bought a winter coat for, for years. I, I have a coat fetish, so I have a gazillion coats. And, you know, for the most part in the winter, I'm not in my car. Um, but this year I was like, I have to buy a winter coat. And I was like, I cannot, I just, I can't do it. I can't, I can't buy a sleeping bag. I cannot wear a sleeping bag, <laughs> especially in Ottawa. I can't wear a black sleeping bag. Because everybody and, has one on. Everybody has one on and it's the worst, right? Like, because I get dressed in the morning and I'm, you know, I've done my little getting dressed ritual and it's really, it works. And, um, and then I have to put my coat on and then right. it changes everything for me. So it's an issue. It's an issue this year. I, I, you know, it's cold here. So you do have to, you know, you can't be running around in, you know, something that's not warm. So I did find a, it's puffy, but it's pink. Oh, <laughs> 
perfect. And it has yeah. the, the, you know, it's shorter in the front, kind of longer in the back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I'm seeing yeah. this. So it's, it's, yeah. So I, you know, I'm, You're making I'm okay. Do. Yeah. yeah. I'm making do. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we want to talk about your style and your fashion yes, and so for sure. many things. Um, so let, but let's, our listeners, we usually kick off the show, um, starting about telling a little bit about your story and how you came to the decision to quit drinking. Um, and then we'll kind of push off from there because you are a super creative person. I, I have so many questions about, um, how you channel that, because it seems like you have many ways to channel it. So could you just start off by telling our listeners, you know, when you came to the decision um, to quit drinking, maybe how old you were would be helpful for our listeners, too? Okay. Um, yeah. So, um, well, I, I'll tell you right off the bat that I'm um, four years and four months sober. Mm, nice. Um, yeah, it feels pretty amazing. I, I... You know, I mean, for many of us, um, you know, I knew that my drinking was was a problem, always was a problem. Um, and the last um, couple of years before I stopped um, were kind of a, you know, a succession of, of trying to stop, starting again, you know, trying moderate, moderate, you know, doing that whole thing, moderating, you know, I'm not going to drink this, I'm not going to drink at this time. Um, in 2012, I, you know, had some experiences that really, you know, were, you know, bordering traumatic for me. Um, and, and again, I got to that point where I, I decided that I wanted to quit. I, I ended up going to an AA meeting. I went for a couple of times, um, but, but I didn't plug in. You know, I didn't, I didn't, it was a women's meeting and there were certainly supportive women there, but I, I didn't plug in. And so, you know, three months later, I ended up um, accepting a glass of wine one night when somebody offered. And then I went and then that took me, you know, to for another year and a half or so um, of drinking. And, you know, again, I obviously I got back to that inevitable place of knowing that, you know, it wasn't serving me. And, you know, also getting to that point in, in my life where I was like, you know, kind of looking back at my adulthood and going, okay, there was some great stuff. I've done a, a bunch of stuff, but I'm, you know, feeling really stuck and knowing, you know, that I'm, I'm approaching, you know, I'm in my late forties, um, approaching 50 and knowing that I want something different for my life. I, you know, knowing that my, my life is, you know, I've got however many years, God willing left and I, I need something different and knowing deep within that that change was not going to happen unless I removed the things that were currently in my life that were that were not number one serving me at all and actually putting me, you know, in places and situations that were that could be you know dangerous and um, so I you know once again made the decision. Well, after you know a night of of drinking and and regret and shame, I just really I didn't make a decision. I I got my I looked on the internet, found the nearest AA meeting. I was hungover, bought myself there, and I stayed. And I, you know, I plugged in, and um, and that that was the beginning of my recovery journey. Um, so very much, you know, my the foundation of my recovery is definitely AA based and twelve step, you know, based. 
Um, yeah. So that's kind of how I came in. When you when you said um, earlier about 2012, because um, I know we have a lot of listeners that um, are in our secret Facebook group, and they they talk about you know that it's not for me, um, you know, and it's not for everybody. I know that, mm-hmm. but when you say you, that you didn't plug in, can you tell our listeners what you mean by that? Yeah. Well, you know. I, 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 you know, like I said, I went to a couple of the meetings. I, you know, I got myself the 12 and 12 book. Um, I did not find a sponsor right away. Um, And I think I was still, um, you know, very much like, you know, intellectually, I understand it. I get it. I get, I kind of get what you're doing. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe even some of this resonates but I, I think I didn't, you know, number one was definitely really accepting the fact that I have, I had this, this alcohol thing with me, I had no control over it. And number two, um, knowing that I just had to, I had to surrender to that. And I had to, you know, stop trying to control it myself. You know, I was still controlling them. I think, oh, well, well, if I do this, then this will happen. And, you know, and, you know, that for me, when I, when I, when I plugged in, it was like, you know, it's almost like I unplugged all the other plugs that, you know, were there. And then I, (laughs) then I plugged in. A woman that I have one connection, right? That one. Yeah. Yeah. I have a woman, there's a woman in the program that I have a lot of respect for and she always just, she's no bullshit. And she always says, well, you know, she just had a couple more drinks left in her. And that's what I think about all the time when I hear that. It's like, well, you know, sometimes we just have more drinks left in us and until we're ready. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I I like the idea. So when, when you were saying about all the other plugs, right, had to get unplugged a little bit. When I started working the 12 steps, um, someone had invited me to go to a refuge recovery meeting and I was doing hip sobriety with Holly. Um, and I was doing all the things and I had only been working with a sponsor for about three months. And, um, I, I thought about it. No one told me not to go to refuge recovery, of course, but I thought about it and I thought if I keep trying to chase all the other things, I'm never going to finish the steps. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can be open. So I, I, I had this kind of discipline with myself where I was like, I can still be open. I understand what Holly's doing with hip sobriety. I get it. It's helpful. And, and with that, I, I took what I wanted and I left a lot of what she did um, yeah. because I was at the very beginning of my steps. And so I really had to, like you said, have that one plug because yeah. I thought if I can get through the 12, then I can go do the other things. I can go investigate all I want. Um, but I knew that I would get sidetracked because of something shiny somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> Easily well, distracted. Yeah. <laughs> so me I- too. Yeah. 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 Like I said, for me, it was, is, you know, is just the, um, you know, the, the structure, the, um, you know, my, my home group, my first home group was three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at noon. And, um, you know, I, I, the, my, the way that I was working at that time, kind of allowed me to do that perfectly. Um, yeah. And it was very much like, you know, I just, at that point, I just needed somebody to tell me what to do. And, you know, AA, you know, the, the 12 steps told me what to do. 
And I feel really good about that, you know, in a lot of ways. I Like, I do feel that my sobriety, I have a, you know, a, a rock solid foundation. Um, and I believe that, I do believe for me that, you know, the 12 steps and, and AA and my community there did that, give that to me. And it, you know, in a way, you know, I, and I hope it, you know, this doesn't sound offensive to AA, but it, it's also it was a launching pad for me. It gave me, you know, the strength and, the, you know, that just sort of solid feeling of, okay, I, I know, I know, you know, what I'm doing. I know what to do if I get in trouble. You know, um, I know why I'm doing this. Um, and, and that is, you know, was a launching pad for me to explore other, you know, resources and tools and, and it's, you know, it's always something like my home group has changed. Now I go on Sunday mornings, you know, it's kind of a bit like my church. Mm-hmm. I don't go every weekend because of my, um, my childcare schedule. But, you know, for me, it's always like, I know that it's always there for me. And I know that I'm going to walk out of, you know, that meeting and I'm going to feel good. And it's really, it's very comforting for sure. Very comforting. Yeah, I like that you say it's like church because it because yeah, where my meetings are, it is it is in a church, right? And yeah. um, for a person who, you know, kind of church doesn't have the the best connotation, it, you know, it can be hard for people to 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 go there. But it, it's my church, and it, even if it was in a different building, it would still be my church. You know what I mean? Like it's just yeah. this this time to pause. That's um, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautifully said, Peyton. Thank you. That helps um, because it can be intimidating and scary to go to your first meeting or, oh, or even for the first three months. It's almost like this whole other world. So thank you for, for expounding on that. Yeah. The one thing that I will say is, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, I may sound confident about it now, but um, I was terrified. Mm, same. Like, and I didn't know what I was doing and I, you know, I was terrified. Yeah. Same. It, it's osmosis though, right? By just yeah. kind of putting yourself, your ass in a chair, you just kind of, by osmosis, it starts uh, filtering in. <laughs> it's osmosis. <laughs> right. There right. you go. <laughs> That's yes. what happened to me. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Well, you, I don't even, I'm looking at my notes here, Peyton. You have, it seems like you've lived many lives. I have. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, I have. I, I feel like a bit of, com- of a chameleon in my life for sure. Um, well, can we back up to maybe, um, I know in, in, uh, in the research I did, like you, and you said you were a former musician. Can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, and maybe when so, you started, when, when you started to be creative, maybe we should. Yeah. Well, you know what, I'm going to, I'll preface that by saying I, you know, I have been, you know, music and dance and uh you know performing arts and um you know creative outlet has been a part of my life um since I can remember really um my my parents my mom really uh fostered that in me um they threw me in every possible you know creative type endeavor class um that they could possibly throw me into and, you know, my, you know, when I was young, I had, you know, my mom liked to shop at Salvation Army and, um, you know, she, I had a tickle trunk, basically. I had a, you know, costume trunk and that's what I did. I dressed up and played and acted and sang and danced and, and did all of that. So it definitely is something that is, you know, I, for me, it's just part of who I am. 
um, you know, I was um, I was also a gymnast when I was, uh, you know, sort of between the age of eight and I guess 14 when I just discovered boys and got too tall <laughs> to do a lot of the tumbling. <laughs> then I sort of my my then I kind of moved over to dance. So I was a dancer in my teenage years and in my early 20s. Um, so I did, um, you know, musical theater and jazz and a little bit of tap, a little bit of ballet, mostly jazz. Um, and, um, and, you know, then, you know, my other interests started to be piqued by other things that were going on around then. At that time, I was with a, a jazz troupe in Calgary and my, our choreographer, you know, mentioned to us one day, well, we're going to be auditioning for singers. And so, but, you know, I, this is me who's been singing into my hairbrush in front of a mirror since I was, you know, four years old, probably. And so uh, I immediately, without even thinking about it, sort of stuck out my hand and said, well, I would like to audition. So, you know, I had to go through this whole process of doing some recording and, and you know. And then, you know, and then I met some, you know, some guys, writers. And, you know, I told them I was a singer and they were kind of like, oh, well, why don't you come into our studio and and show us what you can do. And I did that. And then I started writing with him and then it just kind of went from there. So in my, my, my singing career, I've done everything from jazz to rock, uh, to kind of singer songwriter, uh, type material. My, my last project, the project that I kind of ended with was a, um, it was a collaboration with, um, a very dear friend of mine. He's one of my best friends to this day. Um, he was a, a songwriter and a guitar player and um, a programmer. And and so we we got together and started working together. He helped produce um, a couple of the EPs that I put out. And um, it was a live electronic act. So basically, um, it was kind of like a little bit of like, I don't know if you guys know, like everything but the girl was sort of a, a, a big yeah. influence on yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah. So again, that really strong sort of songwriting team, but, you know, beautiful sort of electronic, you know, how like kind of a light house kind of vibe to it. And so we um, we did a lot of work in and around Vancouver, um, a lot of live performances. We played, quite frankly, primarily with DJs. So often we were the only live musical act at a rave <laughs> or on a boat, you know, um, and, you know, of course, it was a big party scene back then, for sure. But, you know, people just flipped their lids when they realized that there was somebody there, you know, singing live. And, and you know, I had my partner with me playing guitar and, and you know, sort of manipulating sounds live. So we had a great time. You know, we did some recording work there as well for, um, you know, a couple of uh, indie films in Vancouver, too. Um, yeah, and it was, a, it was a, an amazing experience. We, you know, funny enough, we moved to, we, we had some things fall through for us in Vancouver that didn't pan out. So we got mad and we were like, forget this. We're out of here. We're going to move to Toronto. And then when we got there, I don't know, things changed and shifted. And all of a sudden we were kind of taking a break. And then all of a sudden we were doing other things. And then it quietly just kind of, kind of just stopped. Hmm. Um, Yeah. You know, I think that singing and dancing are like two of the most vulnerable things that anyone can do. Do you feel that way? I do. I do. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Did you have to, did drinking play into that? I mean, did you have to get like liquid courage to be on you know, a stage or were they separate? Could well, you separate funny enough, they, they had to be separate because, um, I, I tried a couple of times to have a few drinks before singing and both times it, I, my voice was gone. Oh, so interesting. I discovered that very quickly. Um, so yeah, it didn't, you know, my singing didn't hamper my drinking um, at all in any way, but um, but I did have to keep those two quite separate, the, the, the singing part. The dancing part, you know, that, that was kind of different. I mean, definitely, right. even when I was doing shows, we were a young group of, of women doing shows together and we would drink before we danced. And, you know, of course, clubbing, I did a lot of that in my day too. So sure, that sure. was all about, all about the chemicals at that point, for sure. Well, so, <clears throat> excuse me, dance is a big part of, um, is a big part of your life, right? Movement and, and, yeah. um, I know that in preparation for talking to you this morning, I purposely danced um, <gasps> to Macklemore's Glorious because I wanted to get ready for you, Peyton. I wanted to get wrapped up. <laughs> That's awesome. But can you tell us a little bit more about that? I know that at She Recovers, you um, were the brainchild for the silent disco, right? Yes, I was. It was something that I, I we actually really I really wanted to do I really wanted to do it in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean I've been wanting to do something that's you know like you know a sober dance experience for as soon as you know when when I got sober you know one of the things that I did very early on was uh, you know I I went you know as soon as I felt comfortable I went and danced. For a little while and then I started dancing at home um right you know often you know getting used to a sober lifestyle dissipate but I knew that there was a point in the evening where I'd be like okay I'm out of here but I'm I'm you know I've, I've made the effort to come out I'm dressed up I look great I'm a wide awake but I'm going home because I don't want to be I don't want to you know I don't want to be what's in in what's happening um, wherever I was, because there was, you know, drinking going on. So I would come home. So one of the things that I started doing was coming home and, you know, putting the, the lights down in my house and putting my headphones on and dancing for a couple of hours. And that would just kind of help me burn off, you know, that, that energy that I had that wasn't spent, I guess. Right. And plus, when you're new to sobriety, you kind of have to practice these things, right, before you go out into the world. Uh, Like, I would recommend to anyone practice dancing in your kitchen or go to a party. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, you know, that, again, that sober dance experience was something that I was like, I I really want to do this. And I actually, you know, I, I... I developed um, a program here in Ottawa. Ottawa celebrated its, I think it's 100, 100 years. Or it could even be 125. Anyway, a few years ago, and they were looking for events to to put on for this entire year to celebrate this fact. And I, I you know, created a pitch for it. Yeah, I put a lot of work into it. It was, um, you know, it was a, a sober dance event that incorporated, you know, obviously music and DJs and performance and the whole nine yards. It, it didn't get accepted, unfortunately. I really wanted to make it happen. Um, and, you know, Annie McCullough, who was also involved in that, um, 
in that event, you know, she's a DJ as well, somebody that I worked with back in the day. And we were both, you know, we really want to make this happen. But we, it was, you know, our first time out, we had so much going on. We just, we decided to just sort of set it aside. So, um, you know, so when LA came along, you know, that was one of the things that I said right off the bat, we're doing this. And, you know, my team, everyone was like, yeah, but, you know, as you can imagine, the programming for an event like that, there's a lot going on. And so it was just one of those things that I know if I wouldn't have kept pushing for it, it probably would have gone to the wayside. Right. You know, we, we, uh, you know, obviously creating these experiences that you can, you know, interact with rather than just sitting in a, in a chair, listening to somebody like that's th- those kinds of experiences are. And I just knew in my heart that this would work and that that it would be something that would that the women would love. It would I, be a good I, experience. I, yeah, I really believe that. And, you know, it it. it it, again, it just, it exceeded my, my expectations. It did I, was not. So, I, was, I was, it did, it exceeded my expectations and I was so grateful and happy and it just, it, you know, it, it was just, I, even now to talk about it, I just get so, just to see, you know, when, when, when we were there in that room and with the headphones and the music and the, the women, everyone was, you know, looked so beautiful and everyone looked so happy and I was, I was happy. But to see everybody else so happy, just like it was a, it was one of those moments that I will I will never forget. And it's up there with top 10 moments in my life. Absolutely. Um, me too. Same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, Peyton, I was like, I, I'm just getting teary just you even talking about it because it was transformative. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm such a crybaby. Um, <laughs> no, it was like this really... To, you have to experience it. There's no way to kind of talk about it without, um, you know, you just can't fully express how you how one would feel. And I had yes. not felt that in sobriety. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there were actually two experiences for me. You know, one was just the feeling of just uninhibited dancing and seeing the joy out of every woman in that space that was uh, to me that was so impactful yeah well I mean you know the pictures right like oh gosh yeah the pictures just show you know that really show that and I and I completely agree with you and I also feel like you know the joy of of looking around the room you know that that was the connection too like I felt more connected to, you know, 500 women on the Sunday than I had on the Saturday. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, it, no, it's it like it like created a whole nother vibration. Yeah, yeah. It was. Like, I mean, yeah. Silent discos have been. You know, the I saw this this the silent disco. I actually saw it uh, in Ottawa, and um, I went down one year, and you know. Well, lo and behold, there's like, you know, 500 people on the street with these headphones and dancing and it's silent. And I was like, this is like the best thing I've ever seen. So, you know, obviously silent discos are, you know, they're, it's not a new idea. It's not an underground idea. It's very much, um, you know, a, a party thing now. And, um, you know, and, and I think that really added to the experience, too, of, you know, having the music kind of 
right there, right? You know, there's no volume issues. It's it's right there. You control all that and you feel very immersed in the music. Um, so, you know, and I, I think Annie's DJ set that night was perfect. It was so oh, fun, it was just, so empowering and uplifting. And I don't know how it could have been any better, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I mean, you know, obviously after that, you know, we were like, well, obviously we have to do this every time. Yeah, every you know? time, yeah. It was also like, no. Can we ever, can we talk that? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. And, you know, it's the power of, you know, I, I think it comes down to it, it, you know, it's, it's creative expression, you know, through movement and, you know, getting into your body and connecting with your body and finding your, your own rhythm and finding the, how do you move? How do you move? How does it feel good? for you. I mean, that's, I, you know, that's, that's what it's about for me is, Mm -hmm. and, and when you find space and you find what feels good for you and you work your emotions through your body, to me, you just, it's, there's a freedom that is created Mm -hmm. that I haven't found that elsewhere, like that sort of specific feeling of freedom. It was, um, yeah. we, we kind of waxed. Poetic. Not, oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just saying that it's not about being a good dancer either. No. It's not, no. I mean, you're going to feel awkward as fuck or sure. goofy or whatever. It's, it's not anything about no, uh, it's not how talented skill. you are. Yeah. It's yeah. not about skill. It's not about talent. It's about, and that's the thing. It's, it's, you know, like so many other things in life that make us better <laughs> right? humans, Sitting with the awkward, feeling the awkward, working with the awkward, exactly. moving through the awkward, embracing the awkward, yes. owning it. Do you know what I mean? Like that oh, to me is that that has happened for me in in a in a dance you know experience or class that has happened for me. I mean, and, you know, again, I I'm somebody that's danced all my life. I have a certain comfort level for sure. But, you know, that comfort level doesn't extend to everything. And and I think that that is key is that this is not dancing is not for dancers. Dancing is that's it's for humans. It's for it's for all women. It's for everybody. Right. That's a, I think that's a really important point to make. What, yeah. Go ahead, Tammy. What were you going to say? Well, I was, I, we're having some sound stuff going on. Like there's been about 12 dropouts and I'm keeping track of them. So I'll try to see if Steve can work his magic. But what I wanted to say was. Um, the, the, con- so the, we were all dancing on grass, right? That green plot yeah, in the middle. Turf. Yeah, turf. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I felt like, and we waxed poetic about She Recovers in episode 77 when we got back and we talked a lot about the silent disco and yeah. the, the, um, the concrete kind of sidewalk on the outside, that was what I, I kind of thought about, like was, was, uh, the comfort zone. And then on the turf was getting out of your comfort zone. So for me, I was kind of watching and I was like, I don't really think I'm going to do this. And then I was watching everybody and it was infectious. It was contagious. And then I was like, I got to go change my outfit and get in something that I can dance in. (laughs) So I like went upstairs as fast as I could. And then I came back down. I'm like, okay, now I can dance. I got pants on. Okay, let's do this. But I was really hesitant and in my comfort zone was just watching. And what that made me feel like, Peyton, was the people that were watching from the edge or the people that were up in their rooms that were looking from the rooms at um, 
at the Hilton, it was like that felt like normies to me were watching, right? <laughs> and then I found mm-hmm. like, and not, I know not everybody was a normie, but that just symbolized to me like that's normal people looking like, what are they doing? They, they're, they're doing something. They're having a really good time. And I felt like all the women on the dance floor um, were had this little secret, right? It's kind of how I feel in recovery. Like we have this bond, we have this little uh, connection. And yes. it very much felt like um, how sobriety feels, that you feel like you're going to be out of the loop. You feel like you're not going to fit in. But we found our people. And I think that's why I got so emotional because it was like, I didn't have to be thinking that it was a sentence to be sober. You know, this is a really vibrant life that we live now. Um, But for a long time, I was, you know, when you don't have the headphones on and you're not in on it, you don't, you don't know. You don't know. And it was a, it was a euphoric experience. I had never experienced euphoria before. That was it. And I loved it. (laughs) And I loved it so much, Peyton, that you inspired me in my ceramics class this semester to make a trophy. Um, We had to make a trophy as part of the assignment. And so you had to come up with three elements that didn't look like a trophy. You couldn't have it look like a trophy, but that's what you were making. So I made a trophy for best silent disco dancer. It has headphones and green high heels, like um, the green pants that you wore that night. So you inspired the color of the shoes and like a disco ball, half of a disco ball. And it's here in my studio, right here next to me while I'm talking to you. (laughs) Love it. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great night. Well, I'm well done on listening to your intuition. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, I, it just, I just really knew sort of deep down that I, I thought it would, you know, be, um, the right thing to do there. And, um, and, you know, it was, I mean, it was obviously for the event and, and for the women who participated and, you know, even for me, right. Like I came away from that, um, you know, changed by that experience and more, you know, set me on a path to going, being able to call myself a dancer again. I'm a mm-hmm. dancer. Mm-hmm. Because you dance. Yeah. Well, yeah. So yeah, I'm, um, yeah, hope to do lots more of them. Yes. Here's some more dancing 2019. (laughs) That's right. Hey, Unruffled listeners, just popping in mid show to remind you about our Patreon fundraising campaign. To date, we have produced over a year's worth of content and have over a quarter million downloads. We can hardly believe it. If you like what you've been hearing, you can be a patron of this show for as much as you'd like, even if it's just a dollar an episode. To donate, please go to www.patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. Thank you for your continued support of the show. Now back to it. So we talked a lot about silent disco, movement, dance, what you're doing at Kripalu. Can you, um, I mean, you're a yoga teacher as well. We should let the listeners know that. Yeah. Can you tell us about what you are doing with that partnership with She Recovers and, and what you're doing at Kripalu? Um, yeah, part of my, well, my, my, I was just saying my fancy title at uh, She Recovers is Director of Retreats and Event Operations, um, which means that um, most of, well, I would say 90% of the retreats that we do throughout the year, I'm, I'm there in some capacity. Um, sometimes not for all of them, um, just 
I need to balance my my life with my kid too. But um, yeah, so you know, I I do all the back end work on the retreats, and then of course, you know, a lot of the communication, and so you know, obviously get to know a lot of the women, and then I do come on retreat to help facilitate. Um, we are this this coming year um, in 2019. Taryn is going to be leading. Um, a yoga teacher training at Stowell Lake Farm in Canada, which is very exciting. Um, so that is something that I will do that training with her as well. Um, that's kind of an add-on piece to a, a yoga teacher training. I, I have my 200-hour training, and in the next couple of years, we'll complete my 300-hour as well. Wow. Um, so yeah, so Taryn's um, training, is that tr it's for trauma-informed? That's right, yeah. Yoga, yoga for recovery, okay. trauma yeah that's great yeah and it's going to be a 22 to 24 hour module that um that we'll do in oct at the end of october um so yeah that's super exciting so you know the yoga piece is definitely something that um right now i'm mostly doing private classes just kind of out of my home um i will do some of them you know give taryn a break um at times on retreat and then you know once i have that that recovery piece um you know, I'll, I'll certainly feel much more empowered to go out and teach more of that and, you know, bring She Recovers, obviously, to my community here in Ottawa, as well. and, along with the dance, right? Yeah. Well, it's so all just blooming. Yeah, yeah. So many big things She Recovers is doing. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's very exciting. And it's, you know, sometimes at moments overwhelming. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a great, amazing team of women. And obviously, you know, What's, what do you have to say? You just have to look online and you have to see what they do and, and you know, what they're, what they're trying to create. And yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, you know, thrilled and honored to be a part of it. And, and I, you know, feel very much that, you know, it is a, it is work where I get to be creative. I get to, you know, flex that. And, and of course it, you know, plays into my own recovery. Wow. Right. And, you know, the biggest thing is I get to meet so many amazing women from all over North America. Yes. Yeah, from outside North America. You know, women that I would never, you know, there would be no other way possible for me to meet, you know, women like you, women that I meet at retreats, at the events, and everyone is just, it's so inspiring and amazing to, to have that connection and to, to be a part of that growing community. Well, when you got, um, I mean, your lineup of people that you guys had at She Recovers in September, as well as New York, I mean, was fantastic. What, what I felt really, um, I was talking with Sandra about this, because I met somebody in LA the other day that I was kind of starstruck. And I was like, when I was at She Recovers, it all felt so um, like we were all the same. Yeah. I don't know. There was something really nice. Like just go chat with Amy Dresner for a bit. Let's just go chat it up. Um, yeah. She's been on the show, but it was nice to meet her in person. And I didn't feel that kind of um, starstruck feeling. I felt like, Oh, I have something to chat with her about. Actually, we have something That's in common right. and That's it right. felt easy. Yeah. And that, you know, I think that that, that lifts us up too, right? Like, yeah. I mean, you know, in our lives, you know, and certainly in recovery, you know, it, we were speaking earlier about how, you know, before you, before you get into recovery, you're just like, you know, one of the reasons probably not for not doing it is that, you, you know, you think your life is just going to be miserable, right? And then you get into recovery and you're like, 
you know, once, once it, you know, start, you start working it and it starts to feel like, okay, this, this is my life. This is my life now. And, you know, being, you know, in different cities and on these events and meeting these fabulous women who, yeah, in, nor you know, in any other circumstance, you would just be like, oh my God, <laughs> I can't believe I'm meeting you. But you realize that, you know, all those things that you've thought of that, you know, that I couldn't possibly be doing that. Well, you can. And the women that are doing them are, are like you. And, you know, that's for me, it's like I've, I've had so many moments where I've like, I this moment right now, I need to pinch myself that I'm here. <laughs> but, but the next thought is that this is, this is my life and I'm creating this life. Mm -hmm. And that feels amazing, you know? And you're right, all the women that we have, you know, brought in for, you know, speakers and workshops and, you know, collaborating with, they're all wonderful women. And, you know, there's, you know, there's no... It, there's no, you know, hierarchy or, you know, diva kind of things. It's like, we're all women, we're all connecting, we're all sharing um, something together. Well, and recovery is the great equalizer too, right? It, it, yes. We all have that thing in common. Absolutely. Um, so Peyton, the, um, I was, when I was looking you up and, and digging and trying to find a few things, I found this really, uh, this article in Ottawa magazine from 2013. And mm -hmm. what caught my eye is obviously interviewing you about your style, um, which I would love to get into because I feel like you and Sandra are like soul sisters. In this <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> about, at the very end, it was talking about how... Um, you were a finalist for the Ottawa Festival's Volunteer of the Year Award um, yeah. for your work at Ottawa Fashion Week. And I just, as soon as I saw that, I was like, service. So it looks like that happened in 2012, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You were all volunteering and being of service um, before you did the 12 steps is already part of who you, who you are, apparently, yeah. right? Yeah. It's always yeah. been there. So yeah, how, does, sure. how did that happen? How did, how did you, how did you start working with Ottawa Fashion Week? Um, I, you know, I think I, well, I had a couple of friends, um, that, um, I knew, uh, well, yeah, two. Well, one of them was my hairstylist. The other one was a, a woman who owns hair, who I both, you know, both of them are very stylish and, you know, we always bonded sort of on everything fashion and style. And both of them were, were working and they were, they kept saying to me, you need to be involved in I was like, absolutely, I do. And then I, I don't know how it happened, but the, the opportunity presented itself. And, you know, I obviously have an event planning background. And, you know, this is an organization that it was completely volunteer run. Um, and, you know, they had a lot of very talented people and um, involved in the organization, but not a lot of people with event, you know, that event planning sort of perspective. So, I went in for an interview and they were like, oh, yes, <laughs> yeah, come talk to us. And uh, so I got involved with them and I did, we did, I did five seasons, we all together, I mean seasons, i.e. we did two, two shows per year. So I did five seasons out of the wow. 10 seasons with them. And it was a labor of love. It was a labor of love. Um, the, the creative director um, and, the, you know, the board, it was run by a board, but um, the creative director and I went on to do more things together. The, um, the other one, um, a very creative man. Um, 
you know, and, and it was a labor of love. And we had, you know, we had like a hundred, I, I managed the sort of volunteer team, um, you know, for a couple of those shows. And we had like a hundred volunteers. And it was like not, wow. you know, three to four days of, of shows with, you know, promoting local designers, you know, working with um, embassies here um, in Ottawa. Ottawa is a capital city, of course. So working with the embassies, trying to bring in, you know, talent from around the world. It was a labor of love. And, you know, Ottawa is not known as the fashion capital of Canada <laughs> by any means. So, you know, at the end of the day, our, our ticket sales, you know, were really what was, you know, our revenue generator. And it was hard to get people out. I mean, you know, we always had our fashion crowd here and, read, you know, waiting, ready for us to do anything, you know, always there. But making that event work, um, you know, was was hard and so we kind of folded after after 10 years of doing some really great stuff so like i said for me it was one of those things that um i it's my passion i i actually did right out of high school um i went to a little community college in calgary and, and did a fashion merchandising you know diploma certification thinking that that was where I was going to go. I'd been talked out of performing arts school at that point. So I thought fashion would be the next best thing. Um, so it's, it's a huge love of mine. And, you know, I learned so much. Again, I met so many interesting people. You know, I, I in, in Ottawa at that time, I was working in events, but more sort of in culinary. So working in fashion and working on larger scale events just gave me the opportunity to, you know, build those skills to, um, you know, make contacts. And, and then I get to, I get to, you know, sit there and, and sit there in front row in all the shows and meet these oh, amazing fun. Yeah, it was, it was a great experience for sure. I loved it. How um, they, they touched on your style and like kind of what you dug, right. And it was like a seventies vibe. And I know this interview was a few years ago, but seventies never die. Right. Like it's that still. Our school, our school fundraiser this year is a whole seventies theme. Um, they do a big party at my son's school. So um, I'm already planning an outfit. So that's going to be fun. So fun. Yeah. But it, it talked about how many closets you had and I was intrigued by that. Do you still have three closets? Uh, yes, I do. Although <laughs> I have, I would actually say it's changed slightly. I have, I have two closets now, but in my bedroom, uh, I'm, a, I'm a vintage dress collector and I wear them. I mean, the, the thing about my clothing is that I wear everything and I don't, you know, whether it's appropriate or not, mm, that may come into play, that may not come into play. Um, Sounds like we have a lot in common. We hey, do. We do. Really do. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah. too have three closets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, my third closet, actually, my, I changed around my upstairs of my house. My, my son and I switched around my office. So I have my closet in my office. I have my closet in my bedroom. But now I have what's called the wall of dresses. The what? So, the wall of dresses. Oh. So my, my ex-husband, who I'm, you know, I have a very good relationship with, he's, he's a designer and a builder and an artist. And he um, found a beautiful long piece of wood that he basically um, put up on, on this, the longest wall of my bedroom. So it's a really nice rustic kind of 
just a natural piece of wood. And then he hung these sort of very modern, uh, like stainless steel hooks so that I could display my dresses because I don't want to stick them in a closet because they get all wrinkly and you can't see them. So I have a wall of dresses of, of my vintage dresses um, that I change up every once in a while, but it's to me, it's like art. Okay, Peyton, when this uh, interview airs, you are going to have to post a photo of that in our secret unruffled Facebook group, please. Yes, I absolutely will. Yeah. Oh, I want to see that. Yeah. yeah awesome. I can just see it. I can see it, Peyton. Oh, I can see it too, but I really want to see it. No, I'm serious. Yeah. Yeah. It's, just, it's one of those, they just, when I put it, when I, when I had the idea to do it, because again, all my dresses are crammed into my closet. I was just like, I want to bring them out. And you know, what I thought when I put them up was just like, oh my God, this makes me so happy. Oh, they make me happy too. I know. I'm with and, you. Yeah. And so now, you know, again, they're, they're there. Um, you know, when I pack, I, I use my hooks, you know, like the other day I went to a, a function, it was like a Christmas function for a friend of mine who's a, a doctor. So come out to this. And I'm like, well, what do I wear? And he's like, wear whatever, you know, he's, he's very styly as well. So I ended up looking at my dresses. I pulled one of them down, which is, is actually the one, if you saw the picture, for Ottawa magazine, that yeah, article, yeah. that press. I would It's beautiful. It's it's under, there's a link. There's a link in our show notes. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I found, I, um, I found this awesome, I don't know if it's called a caftan or whatever, but it was hot pink number. I went thrifting and, um, I did research on the, um, on the, dress and it was by a company founded in like 1956 and then this was a dress from the 70s the print and they were founded in hawaii anyhow it's hot pink it's gorgeous i wore it to a friend's 50th birthday party and peyton it's been hanging on a hook behind the door in my room because i don't want to put it in the closet it's been sitting there since november because it's so pretty (laughs) so i understand i'm like i just want to keep seeing it for a little bit longer i don't want to tuck it away yeah, absolutely. If I, you know, if I was really, uh, like if I had a lot of money, I would, you know, I would have the, the busts, right? Like I would have a room where, mm-hmm. uh-huh. all this stuff and, you know, and wear it too. Like I'm very much like I wear my clothes. I do have dresses that, you know, are, are not comfortable and are, or almost too small for me that I bought anyway, because it was a beautiful dress and somebody had to buy it. Um, but but I wear, like I said, I'm, I'm very much, I'm a collector, but I also wear my stuff, which sometimes I'm like, oh, I, maybe I shouldn't wear it because it won't be around, you know. But then what's the point? Yeah, so. Well, when Sandra sported her little pink number, her Betsy Johnson number at She Recovers, yeah. she made me so happy. <laughs> I think you made a lot of amazing. It was an amazing dress. It was very appropriate for the, for the evening as well, wasn't it? It was was, so appropriate. There was really no forethought and it took up my entire suitcase, I might add. (laughs) So it was a big commitment to bringing it, but I'm really glad that I did. Yeah, I think that you nailed it for sure. And you know, it was interesting because all the conversation that was happening about the gala, like pre-event, oh, what am I going to wear? And no, I kept, I kept saying, um, you know, because voice this is you know this is my world I kept saying you know wear whatever you want but make sure that you feel fabulous in it 
Exactly. Like, it's not about, oh, I have to wear an evening gown or I have to wear a jumpsuit or it's about what makes you feel fabulous. Wear that. Exactly. Wear that. Yeah. And have fun. Oh my God. I didn't get sober to not have fun. So exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, your, your green pants that you wore at the silent disco is a big fan of. Uh, I love my green pants. <laughs> Those are pants that I found at a vintage sale, like one of the kind of a vintage pop-up, probably about, gosh, eight or nine years ago, maybe. And they were 20 bucks. And it was oh. so cute because I was kind of browsing around and this, I pulled them out and the woman who it was her little stand said to me, oh, you have to try those on. <laughs> and I was like, yes, I do. And I tried them on and I just lost my mind because, you know, it was like they were made for me. And, you know, again, I love that 70s kind of high-waisted, wide leg vibe. And they're so green. Like, you know, I've worn them out and people are like, those are the greenest pants I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> they were so, great. They were wide-legged, right? Like a big... wide leg, yeah. polyester, hot as hell. But hey. Oh, they were polyester. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't oh, tell yeah. that. They're full-on 70s polyester. Yeah. <laughs> they, they let you move that night. They, yeah. Well, I, again, that's, that's an item of clothing that, you know, I've worn those pants. I can't tell you how many times I've worn them. <laughs> I still, I put them on and I feel fabulous. I love it. Well, yeah. I was inspired, yeah, by, by you and by Sandra. And then we had um, um, Anna Bilby, who I believe um, one of our listeners gifted their ticket to. And she came and she wore her, like, daughter's prom dress. Yes. And some gold shiny um, vans, basically. Yeah. And so I had borrowed a dress from my friend and she gave me all these sparkly jewels that were her grandmother's. And it was lovely. It was a pretty dress. It was not me. And I felt that. And so when I went out to go dance on the dance floor, I was like, no, I got to get this off. This is not me. I can't, I can't. It's not. So I went upstairs and put on some pleather pants and one of Sandra's kimonos that she made me. And I'm like, now I can go dance. This feels like me. And so seeing you guys just kind of own your style too. And it's like that you, we can live a little brighter, louder with our clothing in sobriety too. I definitely feel like that's shifted and changed for me. It yeah. started small, like my earrings are where I'm going. It might expand to my wardrobe more, you know, but I think that's something like that you can, that women who think that they're not creatives, like you can, it's how you dress can be creative. Yeah, that's huge for me. Like that's, you know, that's what I consider. Like I feel like, you know, in terms of the way that I express myself and create, like my creativity, like I I've always loved the idea of just living creatively. Just living. Yeah. You don't have to be, you know, it's not necessarily that you're sitting down to create art or, you know, you're in a band or whatever it may be, but living creatively. And clothing for me is a visceral kind of uh, creative process expression. You know what I mean? Like, and that's the, thing, that's the thing I hate about traveling because this is what I always say. I don't know what I want to wear. <laughs> right. I don't know. I don't know until I get up in the morning and I have my morning and then I close my closet and I'm like, okay, what do I feel like today? Who do, what, what Peyton do I feel like today? And, you know, sometimes it's like five minutes and I'm dressed. Sometimes it takes me a bit longer, but I don't know in three days. <laughs> so um, it really is, it, it really is a, a It's a struggle. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, 
so and but when I when I when I put something on like you said Tammy like you put it on and you were like yeah now I feel now I feel like me like that's you know going through that process and getting to that point where you're like this is this is exactly what I am right now or you know this is this says everything about me that I want to say I love that and that is to me that's that's creativity uh, I agree. I absolutely you're making me smile right now because yeah, I um I think the the story I've told myself uh, about a lot of things, but are that I'm you know my sister was the stylish one, right? She was the cool one. She knew the cool music and she she dressed fat, fantastic. Um, that's not my thing, and um, that's not necessarily true. I think it's something you have to pay attention to and cultivate and. Um, I definitely feel it the, the, the longer that I'm sober, my word for the year is honor. And it's like, I want to honor um, myself. I want to honor my body, my health, the way I dress. You know, I want to, I want to, I'm here. <laughs> I'm sober now. I got shit to do. And just hiding in the back, wearing black all the time and not being confident. I, I'm over it. I'm over it. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to channel the two of you more often. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll have moments of, of some style, but not, they're, they're few and far between. And um, I just oh. want to pay attention to what I really love. I'm really just listening to my intuition. It's, it's there. I think I stamped it out for so long that it's a practice that I need to, um, to invite in. Well, and, and that's the thing. I mean, I think that, you know, Tammy, to me, like, you know, I remember exactly what you were wearing at Sonnen Disco. I thought it was fabulous. The kimono, of course, Sonnen. Um, you know, you, to me, it's like, you know, you you may think, you know, it's one of those things where we all have our, our, our personal style. And I think what you said is really important. When you pay attention, when you honor yourself and pay attention to, you know, what makes you feel good, um, you put that on and you're stylish. You know, you've got, like everyone, I think, has has everyone's unique and everyone has a has their own way of of dressing themselves and presenting themselves and um i kudos for me if i see somebody who's dressed in something that you wouldn't catch me dead in that's crazy i like i bow down to those people because i love that commitment to themselves <laughs> and to their own style somebody can you know be rocking a you know mohawk and you know safety pins and you know I love that. People, you know, I've been with people who have been like, check out that guy. And I'm like, yes, check him out or check her <laughs> out. That's amazing. I love that. I think it's, I think that's part of, um, you know, being ourselves and celebrating ourselves and right. taking, maybe taking a risk every once in a while. And again, you take a risk and you, you know, increase, increase your personal space or you shift your boundaries and that's all good stuff. Yeah, when I wore that hot pink kimono thing to a kimono or a captain, I, I, can't, I don't know. But when I wore it, I felt like a million bucks. And when I walked into that 50th birthday party, everyone was wearing black, gray, or navy. <laughs> and I was in this hot pink. Um, yeah. It was a French theme cocktail party. And I, I stood out and I, was, I had the best time. And I danced my ass off all night long, just like I did at She Recovers. And I felt fantastic. <laughs> Nice. Oh, well, okay. So I have to ask you a kind of a weird, quirky question. And I don't know a whole lot about astrology, but what, what sign are you, Kate? And I, mm -hmm. I feel like I need to know this. 
Yes, I love astrology too. I'm, I'm know that much better myself. I mean, I know a little bit, but I, um, I'm a Taurus. I was born on May 18th. Okay. Um, but, you know, obviously I'm close to the cusp of, of Gemini, like in that area. So I feel like that's always been a part of, you know, I, I don't know, I feel a little bit Gemini. But I just learned at a retreat, uh, one of the women at retreat is studying astrology, and she, we did a chart together, and she told me that um, my, my rising sign, my rising sign is Virgo. And okay. my moon sign is um, Cancer. Hmm. Well, I wondered if you had any Virgo. Did you? Uh, because of your planning, your event planning, mm -hmm. and how much you do and organize and can kind of, um, I, I just, I was curious about that. Not that, again, that I know that much about the chart. Yeah. We, um, I felt like that's a, what you do and how you multitask and how you must have to organize and orchestrate all of these events um you're very you're very organized person yes yeah i am I'm, I'm organized and i'm detail kind of driven and um and i can i can multitask and and prioritize um, and you're a single mom right am, am, mm -hmm. am i right about that yeah yeah i mean i have a i have a very good relationship with my son's father and I feel like not so much a single mom these days because we've sort of created such a... a you really co-parent well. Yeah, and his, his partner um, is an amazing woman who's very supportive. And we've really, you know, created a, a very good relationship over the last few years. It wasn't always like that. Yeah. Um, definitely not. But, but where I am today is, is I feel very much supported in raising my son. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's part of it too. And it's, you know, for me, it comes down to balance too, right? Like um, I, you know, I, it's funny, this Dawn always, you know, says, admits to being a workaholic and workaholism is, you know, it's, it's an issue for sure. And, and I'm, I do work hard and I don't, you know, like a lot of times the, the, the line between work and sort of personal blurs in the sense of, you know, timing. Um, you know, I, I'm not like, I'm not one of those people who says, well, I'm not accessible from this time to this time, because I guess I need flexibility in my life as well. And if I'm flexible, then flexibility is sort of, you know, awarded to me. But, um, but I, you know, I do have to keep it all in check um, and keep it balanced. Um, my son has special needs too. So, you know, that throws a whole other, um, aspect of it as well he needs you know more from me than than perhaps you know my, my generalization he needs a lot he, he needs a lot at certain times so i have to be able to be there for him mm, and now you can be right 100 percent. yeah oh yeah for sure. for sure yeah yeah my son is um uh, my son is on the spectrum too. Uh, is your son's on the spectrum as well, right? Yeah. 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 yeah same. And yeah, it's a different, I'm a different kind of parent now for sure. As we yes. all are yes. go into recovery. Yeah. How old is your son, Peyton? He's 13. Ah, uh, <laughs> which is just like, Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. The difference between 12 and 13, I don't know. It's It's been huge in my house. <laughs> yeah, <Yes>. same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and all boys, we all have boys. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you have Chloe as well, but I mean. Yeah, yeah I have a girl too, but yeah, my son is 15 and, and Tammy's son is 15. And so, yeah, we all have teenage boys. Yeah. Yeah. Quite the step. Do you feel, um, I mean, as a mom, I know a lot of moms listen to our show too. Um, and I think I know the answer to this, but just like, you're way more present as a mom now that you're sober. I mean, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And able to cope, right. Able to cope with the challenges and be strong and cultivate patience and, you know, yeah. Like it's, you know, I, I feel lucky, you know, I mean, uh, obviously there's always that thought of, Oh, you know, I should have, you know, I should have come to sobriety sooner for him, but you, you know, you do what you do when you do it. Um, when, when it's ready, you know, you're ready for change. Um, you know, I feel, I feel like, you know, he wasn't, you know, damaged by, you know, my sort of alcoholism, but you know, you know, I, I feel, I just, I guess I feel very grateful now that um, I am where I am and that I can navigate this life with him clear and, and again, able to meet the challenges strong enough to do that. I was sober. Um, my, I got sober when my son was 11. So it was middle school. And, um, if you guys hear that weird noise, any listeners, that's a frog outside my studio. Sorry, there's nothing I can do about it. It's so weird. Um, it's so weird. Um, but my son was 11. And like you said, like, I, I don't think he was damaged by anything, but I know how I behaved. I know what I did after he went to bed. I know that I was hungover in the mornings and short with him way more than I ever needed to be. Um, but it comes when it comes. And I... I have to say working the 12 steps and I'm definitely seeing it now when I'm having some challenges with him at this age, those steps help me be a better mom, you know, better human, but definitely with how I parent and the concepts of surrender and letting go. And I had to make amends to him yesterday because I was a rage machine. Um, and I was out of my body for like 15 minutes and I had to apologize to him later. And, own my part. And, you know, of course he wanted to dismiss it and be like, Oh, it's okay, mom. It's okay. I'm like, it's actually not, that's not okay. That was not my highest self. I, I would have never said shit like that before. Mm-hmm. I would have held a grudge. I'm really good at keeping score Peyton of things. <laughs> so I like to keep score about why I was justified to do X, Y, or Z. That's something I still have to work on. But, um, what I hope I showed him too yesterday before he went to bed, I talked to him again. I said, I hope, I hope by communicating and like telling you that I'm sorry that you see that like, we don't have to be perfect. Um, I'm not proud of my behavior, but I want to own it. And I hope, I hope that you get that from what we talked about too. Yeah. And um, I hope to teach him by example that, that if he makes a mistake, you know, that we can make amends. And that's, that's been a huge thing for me as part of my recovery for my family is kind yeah. of owning my part and being able to say sorry, even though I am 
am keeping score and wishing that, you know, they would say sorry sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got to work on that too, Peyton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, yeah. I think the work is, you know, when the work to me right now just seems like, I think I will be working until the day I die, right? On this stuff. I mean, I'm just recently, you know, sort of have, you know, gotten to a place where I'm like, oh, there's some stuff here that I think I, I need to go back to my 12 steps. I need to do a step four again. Mm-hmm. I need to, you know, I need to look at it through the, that lens. And you're right. I mean, you know, making amends. And I mean, again, it, you know, the 12 steps is, is one of those things where it's a tool for life. Right. And yeah, yeah, definitely been a huge part of, you know, just obviously the way I live, but, you know, how I parent and, and just even thinking about how, you know, the future, right, in terms of parenting my son, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of unknowns at this point. And so I, I, you know, have to, I know that I have to keep all of these tools close by. When you, when you became a mom, did your childhood or did your um did your background influence the type of mom you wanted to be or oh god yeah Yeah. (laughs) for sure yeah yeah yeah. I'm I'm adopted so um that is that's a big thing that's been a big thing in my life Um, did you always know you were adopted I did yeah yeah I always knew um I was 19 days old when I was adopted um and, you know, I've done that kind of whole journey um, and there's been, you know, interesting things along the way. You know, there's, there's things that never came to fruition and, you know, I, I never have met my birth mother. My birth father doesn't know that I exist. Um, so having a child for me um, in re- respect to that was, it was a bit of a, it was a, you know, selfishly, I think I, I wanted to heal something. I, you know, I I never wanted to have kids until one day I, you know, I was married and woke up and went, wait a minute, maybe I do. And I had Gray, you know, fairly late in my life. um, And I was only ever going to have one. Um, But yeah, I think selfishly at first I, I, I needed to heal and I needed, I needed to see another human that looked like me. I needed a piece of me, (laughs) you know, and he really, you know, he, he's a, he definitely looks like me and, and parenting him has been a real healing process for me. Um, I was also, you know, adopted, you know, by two very lovely, lovely people. I love my mom and dad. They um, could not have children. They adopted me quite late in their life. They're in their eighties now. Um, But they were, you know, they were not, you know, and I know a lot of, you know, women or people our age have this experience it's a different generation not not able to sort of meet my needs emotionally as a child and I was a really you know before I started getting into some of the creative endeavors that I did you know and still even now uh, I was a really frightened child and I was very shy and I I wanted you know I think and I think it stems back from you know, uh, the adoption sort of trauma of disconnection. So I came out like needing so much and I didn't, you know, I didn't get what I needed as a child. And so, you know, 
for me, parenting Gray, that has always been first and foremost that I will, and he'll get sick of hearing it, you know, but demonstrating my love to him um, is something that I will never, you know, that's something that I've always, um, has been super important to me as a parent to communication and support and love telling him I love him and you know sure. making sure that he always knows that because um, I didn't grow up with that so yeah that's a big piece wow. for me well thank you for sharing that I I've read um some writing that you've done on your blog about you and your son's connection mm really touched me. I think that's, um, I love the kind of proof of life exercise that writing does, right? Sandra writes about her son as well. Um, yeah, time yeah. To time, and it's just such a beautiful um, thing to go back and revisit too. I mean, I know we revisit it in our memories, but I love the idea that we have. Um, I think that's what I'm trying to do all the time is to have proof of this life mm. in a photo in a piece of art in um, an essay. It's something that I was here that I will leave behind. Yeah. You know? yeah. Oh, well, there's still much to cover here. So let's, <laughs> let's transition because I know we can't keep you all day. Um, she recovers. Exciting new things happening, right? You had some new announcements. I know that it's, it's out in the world now. And by the time this airs, maybe people have already heard about it. But can you share with our listeners what's up next for She Recovers? Yeah. Um... Well, I guess the, the big news, I mean, the, the big news that I'm sure everyone is a bit curious about is when we're going to do our next big event. So we just uh, um, announced a, a save the date uh, for Miami um, 2020. So we've done New York, we've done Los Angeles. So now we're going, heading back east, um, going to Miami. So um, that'll yeah. be in early May of uh, 2020. So we'll be, we'll actually be launching registration in the next few months. We want to give it lots of time. Yeah. Um, we'll be at the Biltmore Hotel in, uh, in Coral Gables, actually. Not, we, we've avoided South Beach for all the right reasons. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Beautiful hotel. Um, you know, we're super excited. It's got a completely different vibe, which, you know, that's what we wanted and, you know, again, every event that we do, we learn more about, you know, what we want to do and what's going to work. And um, yeah, so we're, we're really excited about that. So that's something that we're working on. Um, for 2019, you know, we knew that after LA that we needed to take a break. Um, so we're a five-person team with obviously lots of support and help around us, but but the bulk of the work is done by five of us. And so um we knew we needed to take a break um from the big one because the big one is all consuming right <laughs> but you know dara and i dara's um our new york event producer she's our executive producer um she's amazing um you were event planners right so you know we can get involved in a whole lot of other things but at the end of the day you know in real life experiences um our you know, there's nothing like it. So we're working on um, we're working on a a little tour that we will do in 2019. Um, in 2018 and 17, we did um, a few workshops in cities around North America, and we called them sacred pause workshops or yoga and connection. So it's modeled 
you know, sort of very much like those. They're kind of one day events where we, we come in, um, you know, Taryn usually does a uh, yoga class. You know, we have some local, you know, people from the community um, come in. We have, you know, maybe a speaker or two. We share a meal, meal together. You know, we have that very important sort of, you know, connection time. Um, so that's basically what we're going to do in 2019. We're going to do a few um, in different cities in, in the United States. And then we're also going to come to Canada and probably we're looking at Toronto and likely Vancouver as well. So, so we're working on those. Um, Have those been already announced on the website or are they no, still in the no, works? No, they're in the works. Um, we've, we're just in the process of kind of nailing down the venues right now and so once we have venues and dates we'll we'll probably start um launching you know save the dates for those and um and then you know putting it all together so i won't it's it's likely that you know these are smaller events um it's likely that dara will probably take the lead on on most of them in the states and i'll pop up where i can and then, you know, I'll do the same in Canada. I'll take the lead on the Canadian ones and, and of course, we'll, we'll show up. So it's a bit of a divide and conquer, which feels weird because, you know, we always do everything together. <laughs> right. <laughs> this right. is a bit like, oh, I'm going to have, I'm going to be sitting in Canada having a lot of FOMO. <laughs> um, you know, but there's obviously lots of other things that, um, you know, we've got to put our time into. I'm, I'm actually... Um, you know, one of our endeavors last year was to create a, a foundation. And so the She Recovers Foundation is, has been created. We're, you know, doing all of our paperwork right now. And we're launching, um, under the foundation, we're launching meetups in, in various cities as well. And these are our strictly volunteer-run social kind of meetups for, you know, our community to kind of find each other and do things together. So I've recently... Um, put together the one here in Ottawa. Uh, we're going to have our first meetup at the end of January. You know, I've already got, you know, I think I launched it last week and I've got, I think, 15 women that are, have joined the group and, you know, 10 so far, they're going to come to the meetup. So again, those are happening in Toronto and Portland and California. And even, you know, in London, there's going to be uh, one started up. There's, yeah. So all of that stuff is happening as well which is very exciting. Again, you know, the, the foundation's mandate is, you know, is one of the foundation's mandates is, is to provide, you know, more opportunity for women to connect in real life, um, you know, with things that don't cost money, that are, you know, free or very low cost. And again, you know, sort of creating community. We know that not everyone can afford to come to our larger events. So these, 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 you know, things are really important and we want to get those off the ground as well. So, um, yeah, so that's, you know, part of us sort of, you know, figuring out um, what our priorities are for the year and then, you know, putting some time and attention into those things so that we can get those off the ground. Well, you must get a lot of, I know you guys did a kind of an exit um, survey from the events and you must get yeah. so much feedback um, so that's really, that's great that you're doing all these different, you know, if you can, I know, I know, like you said, there's just five of you. So yeah, it, well, it does. And that's the thing. It does come back down to capacity, right? What we can and can't do. And, you know, and again, you know, part of being, I think a good planner and a, well, good, a good planner, I'm not 
talking specifically about events is identifying priorities, right? What, you know, looking at all the things we could do, because there's so many things that, especially like in your own life, right? Like so many things that you want to do, but really having some sort of process for going, okay, what's the priority? You know, what, what makes the most sense to do, to put time and effort and resources into right now? And that's, um, it's a moving target sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. Sandra and I talk about like ideas are not where we have problems. We have no problem coming up with ideas. (laughs) Exactly. It stumps you up. (laughs) Exactly. It's so true. So true. Oh, yeah. well, Kate, we ha- kind of have to wind it up, wind it down here, but I thank you so much for taking the time yes. and going through our technology, technological difficulties. Oh, I'm um, sorry we had them. It figures. Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm that person that's, that's, <laughs> I drag that stuff with me. I'm in, in constant mercury, mercury retrograde. Um, <laughs> I go. So we may just run this whole thing just how it was. And cause they're, they're only like one or two second little dropouts. So it's really hard to edit those sometimes without kind of chopping up your words. So yeah, we'll see yeah. our listeners are pretty generous and they could bear with us, but I want, I want um, the first part of our conversation to be heard because it was so good. Yeah. Um, but this is the part of the show where we, um, where we have our guests share three items from their unruffled toolbox mm-hmm. and if you don't know Peyton, and maybe you already do, but unruffled means um, to be calm and not agitated. Things that um, that you use for creativity or for your sobriety. Um, if you could share this, our listeners really like this part of the show, and so we were anxious to hear what you have to share. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and I knew that you were going to sort of pose that question to me, and and I thought about it, and the first thing I thought was, oh, how do I narrow it down to three? Um, <laughs> But I, but I thought about it and, and I, you know, I, I think I can. Um, and I would say the first one, um, the, the biggest tool that I have in my life and the one that keeps me in my life um, is, is, is my morning ritual. So I, you know, every morning I, I have this time where, and I will get up, I will get up at five o'clock in the morning if it means that I have that time and then I can, you know, sort of transition into the rest of my day. And, and my morning ritual, you know, is making a really great cup of coffee and sitting down and journaling. I journal every day, um, you know, some days it's pages, some days it's half a page. Uh, so I journal. Um, I I, I, you know, have a few books. I'm usually, I've usually got something on the go um, in my kitchen area. So I have my stack of books and typically I read something from that and, you know, maybe do a little bit more journaling on that. And then I move to um, my little yoga area and uh, I do some yoga and some meditation. And again, it looks different on a daily basis. I went through a period of time where I was like, I must yoga for one hour every day. Well, that's not that realistic for me. So it's sometimes like this morning, it was 15 minutes, a really nice 15 minute little flow. I did a, a really nice sort of shavasana at the end. So a nice relaxation. And, and then from there, it's a little prayer. Um, prayer is a part of my um, morning ritual. And then I can go and do my thing. Then I can go and get my son's lunch ready. I can go have a shower. I can check my email. But before I do any of that, it's my morning ritual. 
So that's really important time for me. And I'm lucky that I live by myself and my son's used to it by now. And he, in fact, when I'm not doing that, he's like, when are you doing your yoga? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's my first tool. And that, you know, like I said, that in, incorporates yoga, incorporates writing, you know. So um, I feel like, you know, there's that, that little bit of creative, that creative bit is, is in there as well. Um, my second tool I'm going to say is, is, is dance. Um, you know, like I said, I've, I've, I really believe I put something on my Instagram the other day was, which was, you know, basically when we, we change the way we move, we change, we change, right. When we move differently, we, we, that's, that's where change is. And so for me, dancing changes my state, even, you know, when I, you know, even there's, there are nights when I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm just going to put on one song. I'm just going to dance to one song, <laughs> maybe not 10, right? Um, but yeah, that, that movement is super important to me. And I love music too. So putting in my earbuds and, you know, they're actually not earbuds yet. They're crappy headphones. Mm -hmm. um, putting in my crappy headphones and dancing for one to two songs changes the way I feel. And especially that's a really important tool when I'm, I'm starting to feel like, you know, when it's creeping in, when I'm like, oh, I don't feel good, change my state. And um, that, that really works for me. So that would be my second tool. And my third tool is a little more abstract. Um, and I hope, I hope this makes sense. But my third tool is to, to seek out beauty wherever that may be. So, you know, I love art. I love flowers. Um, I, when I catch, you know, a glimpse of a sunset or when I see a really stylish person or I don't know, wherever I can find it, mm -hmm. when I find it, when it comes into my, you know, my line of vision, I, I try and stop and I try and appreciate that and just sort of soak it in. And I think that, you know, with life, life is hard. There's, you know, so many crappy things that are happening and there's so much, you know, there's, there's a lot of pain in our world. And so, you know, maybe some people might think of it as trying to, you know, keep the rose colored glasses on all the time. But I, I, I don't know, for me, I want to find the beauty in things and it's not, doesn't have to be, you know, over the top, blow your head off beauty. It can be very quiet, subtle beauty, but I think that that's, that's a tool for me. That's a tool that I use when, you know, when I'm, when I'm not feeling great or when I'm thinking about something I shouldn't be thinking about or then that enriches my, my life on a daily basis, that practice of looking for beauty. Mm, yeah. Same. That's a good one. Yeah. That's that, the, what using Instagram for me, um, when I started, that was part of it too. And blogging was like trying to, like you said, it's not rose colored glasses, but it was like, I'm, I'm having a hard time. I'm drinking like a lunatic and I need to find something beautiful in my day. Yeah. What can I focus on? that will help take me out of myself to see that it was not all shit. Yeah. Um, and it would be, and so when I read my old blog posts from when I was drinking, I know how I felt that day when I read them. I know that I was struggling really hard to try to find something beautiful, like you said, to seek it out. And some people could look at that perhaps and say like, oh, well, you're just, 
um, hiding or you were just um, only talking about the glossy things. I had to hold on so tight to the tiniest thing that was beautiful, like you said, Peyton, um, to keep me tethered to the world. And I think looking for that every single day, that's a beautiful tool. Yeah. Beautiful tool. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, and it's a goal, right? Like it's something, it's a practice. It's, You're uh, right. It is a practice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. thank you so much, Peyton. Oh, you are welcome. Yeah. It's awesome to talk with you. You know, it's always one of those things where when you, you know, even in the AA rooms, when they ask you to speak and you're slightly terrified and then you speak and then you're like, you feel like you've come out the other end and it's something <laughs> a little bit different, but it feels really great. And that's exactly what I feel like right now. Uh, Thank you. Well, thanks for your openness and your, um, and your service, because by, by sharing your story, Peyton, you know, you help another person. So I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. How can people find you or connect with you? Do you, do you want that? Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, they can find me, um, obviously at, at she recovers. Um, I, my, I'm on Instagram. My Instagram is, um, at PLK. Peyton Lynn Kennedy. So PLK underscore Ottawa. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm, you know, I'm Facebook for me has now become one of those places where, you know, it's, it's more about connection and I'm, I'm happy to um, connect with people, connect with women in recovery all over the place. So, um, so yeah, those are kind of the three things I do have my, um, my blog as well, which I, I need to, to put up another post soon, um, which I can I can share again. It's it's uh, my tech technological challenges. It's literally like my name with a bunch of funny numbers. I haven't gotten, <laughs> I haven't gotten into any kind of branding yet, but I can I can share that. Yeah, let us know, and then we'll put that in the intro when we do the intro. We'll let people know they can see your writing for sure. Oh, well, thank you so much, Peyton. Thanks for all the hard work that you're doing and expanding uh, and growing this community um, with everybody at She Recovers. So thank you. Well, yeah. Thank you. Can't wait to see you again in 2020, if not soon. Definitely in Miami. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I look forward to it. And yeah, and like I said, thank you so much for asking me. I'm thrilled to be talking to you. And thank you for you guys for what you do. I mean, this is I know the power of, of, you know, these kinds of podcasts. Um, and I've heard, I've heard it and I've, you know, I've seen women that um, really benefit from listening to other women's experiences. Right. I mean, you know, some of us don't have that community around. So these kinds of things are so important and yeah, you guys are lovely and awesome and beautiful and gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Thank yeah. you. Thank Same. You. Yeah. All right. Have a great okay. day. Thank you. Okay, bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.